Hey everybody, my name's Leanne Butterworth and you're listening to Listening at the Orange Door. Today we're talking to Will Centurion. Um, If you Google Will Centurion, he has a serious bio in the arts in Australia and overseas. Um, The King and I, The Lion King, um, he's a dancer, a singer, an actor, he's gorgeous, he's an empath um, and I'm so lucky that we get to talk to him today about empathy and mental health in the arts. Um, It's an industry that's really in early stages of the mental health journey um, and the more that we can all do to help them and get them to help each other and um, the better off we're all going to be. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode. I so enjoyed um, recording it. Today's episode is Empathy in the Arts with Will Centurion. This is Listening at the Orange Door. The Lose Your Mind and the Listening at the Orange Door. So the podcast is all about empathy. And I'm talking to people in all different industries. So we've talked to engineers, leaders, police now about empathy and why empathy is important. Um, And so today we're going to talk to you, Will Centurion, who you can introduce yourself in a moment, about empathy in the arts. Now, we met at the... Workplace Mental Health Symposium. Yes. Back in, I'm going to say August, September, I think. Okay. In Brisbane, and um, and yeah, so you gave a talk about emp- uh, about mental health in the arts, and it was beautiful. So I thought that man knows what he's talking about. So we need to talk to you about empathy. So can you <laughs> introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and um, what gets you up in the morning. Okay. So hi everyone. My name is Will Centurion. Um, I have created a mental health service uh, called Will Centurion Counseling and Life Coaching. Um, And my specific demographic or the niche that I work with is the performing arts. Um, So that encompasses actors, singers, dancers, um, all forms of creative people, um, dressers, makeup artists, directors, choreographers, um, dance teachers, studio owners. um, And... In a nutshell, what I've done is create um, services and programs that allow students, emerging professionals, um, teachers and, and creative professionals to uh, be able to manage their thoughts and their feelings, um, to be able to goal set, um, to be able to navigate through some of the challenges that happen within the creative industry. Um, And I do that by using modalities such as ACT, positive psychology, CBT, narrative therapy, and and life coaching. Yeah, wow, so what's ACT? So ACT is acceptance and commitment therapy. Oh, nice. Um, So it's very much um, the premises that um, there may be a challenging or difficult situation that's showing up in your life or that you're navigating through, but that you have the capacity to be able to work because of that, um, with that, not in spite of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's very much around acceptance and commitment of, of what is and that not getting in the way of what you would like to work towards. Yeah. So it would be getting rid of those words like should, and like, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And, um, yeah, I should be here already, or I should have achieved this or, it's very much around um, the art of allowing yeah, nice. Um, and, and the art of making peace with. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great modality for me personally, yeah. um, but it works with a lot of creative people. So it's definitely one of my go-tos. Yeah, cool. So what got you into this space then? Why did you see this niche as having a need? Um, I got into this space through my own mental health challenges so towards the tail end of my performing career, and that was a career that lasted 20 years in music theatre, um, I um, navigated, I don't want to say battled, I navigated a lot of depression, anxiety and imposter syndrome. Okay. Um, and so that had a massive impact on me being able to do my, 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 my duties at work, um, the way that I related to people, the way that I related to myself. Um, and so... Um, 
I kind of hit rock bottom and it got to a place where I needed support and I needed reinforcements. And so um, I took myself off to see a psychologist who was also an opera singer. Yeah, wow. And by meeting her, um, I became aware of how wonderful it would be to have a support system that, that meshed mental health and, and the arts or creativity together. Yeah. Um, I guess what I was searching for was empathy. Yeah. And I knew that what I knew that this person knew what it felt like to be in my shoes and could understand me in, in a much greater capacity because of the fact that they were a creative person and a mental health practitioner as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was a big aha moment for me. And so while I had to kind of put my performing life on hold, um, I took myself off to college and I did my, my bachelor of counseling coaching. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then I was ready to hang up my performing shoes and fully transition into this wonderful world. Yeah. Wow. So that's that empathy piece. So for you, what does empathy mean in your world? Um, for me, it meant being able to walk in the room, knowing that I wasn't going to be judged um, for feeling the way that I felt given my particular circumstances. And I, f and I felt that it would take someone in a similar position or someone who could tap into um, similar struggles or similar challenges or, or, or similarities um, it took, it would take that for someone to be able to meet me eye to eye. Yeah. Okay. So that they could look at me through the same eyes that I was looking at them. Yeah. So when you said that you wanted to talk to somebody without judgment, is that not a conversation that's happening a lot in and amongst artists and in that world at the moment? Like, does everybody talk about mental health in the arts at the moment or is it a little bit of a taboo topic what's the what's the mental health culture in the arts it's not great it's very very taboo because we our industry is about excellence and it's a, it's about performing at your fullest potential um continuously um unaffected by everything else that's going on in your life yeah and so to bring up the concept that you are human and to bring up the concept that there may be things in the outside world that are impacting on you and that may um, um, spill into your work is very taboo um, and it's very frowned upon. Um, and in an industry that thrives on, on the way that you present and that presentation being strong and joyful and fully engaged and, and, and you know, fully present, um, yeah, I think you kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's not received well, the concept that you may be dealing with something or that you may be broken. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of judgment around that because it may get in the way of you being able to do your job. Because and then, that seems like it would come from every angle as well. Like it would come from within. So you would have that lack of, I guess, compassion for yourself because of those mm -hmm. shoulds. You would have, it would come from, people who are relying on you. So you don't have an understudy necessarily for some of your performances. So you've got directors and everybody else who are relying on you. You've got co-workers, but mm -hmm. then you guys would get that from the public as well. So yeah, the public really have an expectation of who you are and that, I mean, if you're a celebrity, for example, we have that expectation that if I meet a celebrity, like they have to be happy to see me and they have to like, I don't they have to re-engage and yeah. Unless it was Chris Hemsworth, then he has to be happy to meet me. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like people seem to have this, this, they forget that actors and artists are human. Yeah. And if you're also having that del almost dilemma within your industry and within yourself, yeah, then it would make perfect sense that that would, I guess, contribute to, to poor mental health. Yep. So what sort of things are, is, is there anything happening in the industry at the moment to address it? Like, is it, has it 
the conversation started to change at all? Yes. Yes. In the last, probably in the last 12 months more so. And that's, um, it's a bit scary considering that this industry has been around for as long as it has, but, but, um, in Australia, um, there's been a lot more talk and change happen within the last 12 months. Um, what so, spark that? um, I mean, some of the stats uh, are pretty horrendous, to be honest with you. There's been research that's been done by Entertainment Assist and um, I think it's the University of Melbourne. Um, and yeah, um, the pretty, pretty horrendous statistics, you know, sort of like one in four are going to have suicidal ideation or like one in five are going to experience depression. Um, you know, one in six are going to experience anxiety. It's the, the stats are pretty, they're not in our favor. Yeah. Um, and, and I personally know people who, um, you know, took their lives. Yeah, wow. Um, I know a lot of entertainers who are struggling with depression and who are struggling with um, crippling, you know, uh, performance anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder or, um, or self-doubt or shame. And so it's, it's a no brainer. We know yeah. as people in the industry that this sort of thing's happening. So it's, you know, it, it's taken a while for the conversation to come to the forefront, but you know, I think changes are being made. Yeah. Um, however gradual they are being made. Um, and, and it's important to, that's important. Yeah. So on one hand, you've got a lack of empathy and compassion from basically everybody, which is making things worse. But what mm -hmm. is it about, because I don't have an artistic bone in my body. I can't sing. I can't dance. I've, yeah, no, no, no. Um, so what is it about that industry? Because everybody gets into it because they love it. Like you mm -hmm. don't meet many people at the start who go, oh, look, I'm not really into music, but I'll do it professionally. So what is it that's happening? What are the stresses and the vulnerabilities that are happening that are taking something that on the outside looks like it is joyous and comes from a place of passion and love into a dark place? What, what's that? What's going on? What's the tipping point? Yeah, I think, I think one of the biggest things is we all go into this f with a sense of joy. Yeah, um, we all go into this with a sense of playfulness and creativity, and at some point it becomes about more than that. So it may become about um, the uh, an expectation around the kind of work that you have to produce, and 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 the regularity of the kind of work that you have to produce, or it may sort of lean into the professional sphere, which is there's now an expectation or a standard that you will do eight shows a week for however long you've signed the contract for, um, and that you will be made fully available and, and that, you know, this, this lifestyle would become your priority. Um, and that no matter what is going on in your personal life, you're expected to turn up with a smile on your face and get on with the job. Um, the absolute best of your ability. Cause heaven forbid you miss a note. Ability. Yeah. And so it, 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 it becomes harder when it changes from something that is about joy to something that is about productivity and work and expectation. And in that tipping point, um, a lot of damage can happen because um, this is a really, really tough industry and there's a lot of rejection and there's a lot of failure and there's a lot of shaming and there's a lot of, um, self-doubt. And so if you have personal vulnerability, then you're inevitably going to succumb to that at some point, if it's what you're constantly being exposed to day in, day out. Yeah. So then what is it that keeps people going? What is it that keeps people in an industry? Is it the joy that keeps them going? Is it the, I don't know what else to do? Like, what is it that keeps them going to the point of suicidal ideations? Uh, actually, it's a little bit of both. It's, it is joy because we are creative people and we mm. do find a joy in, in, in almost everything that we do. Um, you know, there are little glimpses, little sparkling moments yeah. 
that remind you of why you were in it. Yeah. And I guess you're constantly on the hunt for those, yeah. no matter how hard the job may be, in order to remind you of your why. Um, and in terms of, you know, um, yeah, in terms of why you stay there, it's, it's that. It's that it is something that you love and it's something that's very etched to your identity as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so people, yeah, they don't know what else they are capable of doing or what else they can do because this is all you know. Yeah. This is what you're good at. This is how you have branded yourself and to step outside of that, you know, even, even when the industry makes you unhappy is terrifying. Especially if you have that mentality of the next big break, like the next, oh, this could be it and the next role. And you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I want that one so bad. That would be awesome. And your head runs away with you go, if I got that, that, but then you deal with the rejection and the, yeah. Cause you're always this close to the next big so thing. The next big thing. Yeah. Um, and when you do land right in the pocket, you know, it is worth it. Yeah. It is so worth it. There is nothing more glorious than, you know, that amazing show that where 2000 people are standing on their feet, oh, applauding, yeah. you know, for, for, for the show that you have brought your value to, or that you've contributed to. And that is just, it's the most glorious feeling in the world. Oh, and knowing um, that you've impacted and brought joy or an emotion, you might've made them cry or yeah impacted them in a positive human way oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never i will never forget so i was in lion king for a year and a half and i had um three different types of journeys there i started off in the singing ensemble um and then i worked my way into a covering a role and then i took over a principal role oh wow but in the singing ensemble um i was the rhino's ass <laughs> <laughs> and i will never forget coming down the aisle of the Lion King and watching kids and more so than kids watching grown men and women just weeping. Oh yeah. Because that opening number, the circle of life just obviously tapped into some nostalgia or, or into their inner child. And I I cannot put in words how amazing it, it felt to come down the aisle in that opening number and just watch people just sobbing from yeah. makes me really emotional even right now. Um, just watching people sob from, from joy. Yeah. It's just, there's nothing in the world like it. Yeah. And, and, and that's me at that time as an ensemble performer. Right. So the spotlight wasn't on me in any way, shape or form, but I was contributing to this experience. I saw The Lion King in London and I'm going to say it was 2002 maybe. (laughs) And I was that high up, that high up in the nosebleed section that I could see on top of all of the costumes and on top of all of the props. So I could see the actors' faces. And that's what I loved. I loved watching the joy on their faces because I knew that nobody else could see it. Because if you were down in the stalls down the front there, you couldn't yeah. see those actors. You could only see the props. Characters. Yeah. yeah. You could see the characters. Whereas I could yeah. see the actors faces and yeah. just the joy that was on their faces meant that I loved it even more because I could see that they were happy being on stage, like being the rhino's ass. Like that made me, it made me so happy <laughs> that I got that angle. Yeah. Um, because that's, I mean, I love those moments in music where you, where you get the chills up your arm or where you see someone just doing what they love. And that's and why we do it. Yeah. That's literally why we do it. Um, now, you know, I, um, a bit of a curveball there is, so you go in for, for the sense of playfulness and creativity and joy, but when you're in a professional show, um, there's an expectation um, that you will perform at a certain standard. And there's also a lot of, um, let's say these roles are fully developed. Yeah. So um, there's, um, you know, approaches that you will want to take as a creative person yeah, gotcha. that weren't aligned with the template. Yeah. And so 
especially like for any, something that's as well known as the Lion King. Absolutely. So there's only there's only a small leeway of freedom. Yeah. There's a small leeway of freedom in which you can play. Yeah. But otherwise, they they are very regimented performances because they're specific things that have been created and and by someone in the original cast or in the workshop or whatever. And each person that takes on that responsibility has to align with those expectations, with those yeah. templates. Eight times. And so. Away eight times a week. And so like any artist and like any creative person in the entertainment industry, you go, you go in with a sense of play and creativity and, mm. and a sense of freedom. And you very quickly discover that there are parts of that, that you are going to need to sacrifice in order for you to have longevity in your industry and in order for you to work. Mm. So then into, if we bring it back to empathy, then of the, of the artists themselves, they would then have empathy for the work. So, and like getting into the, the headspace of a character and getting into like, maybe not in the Lion King, well, maybe, yeah. but still having empathy for the character and exploring yeah. that character, whether it's um, like really regimented or not, but also like you said, sort of having that empathy for the audience as well. I mean, we're talking about sort of having empathy for the actors, but there's got to be that understanding and put yourself in the audience's shoes who's seeing this for the first time, who has an yeah. emotional connection to the content. So how does that sort of discussion play out in the, in the art world? Well, I think that's, that's, that's the most important thing. And that's the driving factor um, around it all. When, when we step out of ourselves and we step out of, the performance being about us because to some to a 50 percent degree it is yeah but the other 50 is it's about them yeah they are seeing this show for the first time they have they they this audience you have no idea of what these people are going through in their lives you know like you have no idea of what they've gone through to be there you know they it may be a working class family that has just saved for months and months and months to be able to take their kids yeah. to one show of the Lion King. And if you yeah. don't turn up and if you don't connect with them, um, then you're also robbing them of, of their joy yeah. and, and you're robbing them of, of, of everything that, that they want and need this experience to be for them. Um, and so there's this sense of responsibility to yourself and to others as well, um, that you will put yourself in their shoes um, and that you will be there, you will meet them, that yeah. you will meet them there halfway. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm going to see John Farnham tomorrow. So for me, it'll be my fourth time since yeah. his retirement. Since his retirement, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Zara, my seven-year-old, is coming with me, and she's so excited. She has no idea what to expect. How so she's So, yeah. So there is that. But then you also think Southern Suns are playing, and I don't think they've played anything. Oh wow! I, I, I love I, I love them. I love them. So um, it'll be a good afternoon. And, that, and that's interesting as well. You know um, why? Why it's such a hard thing to to hand over, um, and so that's why a lot of artists come out of retirement again and again because it's it's a part of your identity. It's oh, a part absolutely. of your identity. Um, so, and so it's very hard to surrender. So then, what is it that? I guess is happening in the space. Like, what is it that, because mental, like workplace mental health, you're at the workplace mental health um, conference, workplace mental health in the, in the, I call it the muggle world. So the binary. Yeah, we call it muggles. Yeah. Yeah. The muggle world. Um, yeah. It's becoming a thing and they've got like EAPs and Friday yoga and not a lot in between. That's sort of where, where I play with lose your mind is trying to get people to actually have relationships that are, yes. um, about listening and connecting, not just, yeah. anyway. Um, yes. So what's happening in the arts? Like, is that transferring into the arts? Are there more conversations? Are there, is there, I mean, you mentioned in entertainment assist, is there more yeah. stuff happening in that space? Yeah, there's entertainment assist have done um, lots of lots of research and they've created programs called intermission that go into entertainment industry workplaces and do training um, do trainings for them. 
Um, there's the Arts Wellbeing Collective, um, who have created a helpline, a 24-hour helpline for performers. Um, and they also offer like mindfulness and meditation, um, um, guides, uh, audio guides, and they also offer the occasional workshops and whatnot. Um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that seems to, again, be a little bit at the bottom of the cliff. Like, if you are struggling, call these people. That doesn't sound to me like a lot of preventative stuff. No, no, no. There's more work and, to happen in that space. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's sort of one of the things that I've been trying to, to um, create um, are workshops that give people tools and resources before before they hit crisis yeah um because you know it's it's yeah it's about it's about preventative measures and it's about you know not needing to smack into a brick wall before you know realizing that um you're not great um so there's not enough of that there's really not enough of that is that Um, message getting through at the top though so i mean it's one thing i mean we sort of talk in the muggle world about, well, it's all well and good to say, hey, we've got Friday yoga and EAP. We're going to run a heap of Lose Your Mind workshops. Everybody, everybody's going to be awesome at um, listening and having great conversations, but I still expect you to work till 3 a.m. So yeah. is, is, is that message getting through to directors and producers and people yeah. with money and expectations to sort of create an environment that is more, or is it just inherent in the system? I think we have a real systemic problem. We have a real systemic problem um, in that there's a whole sort of restructuring that needs to happen um, to accommodate for people's needs. Um, so right now, what I can say is that producers are jumping on board by um, allowing conversations to happen within their music theatre environments um, around mental health. But in terms of a restructuring of the system and just a whole recalibration of how people are spoken to about um, policies, um, about employment, uh, employee assistance, um, God, we've really got a long way to go. (laughs) And is that because I know that there's so many passionate people out there? Like, if you don't want the job, I'll find someone else who does. There's that sort of disposability. Is that a word? Disposability? Um, we are so replaceable. We are so replaceable. And yeah. if, if you can't do it, someone else will. And if you ask for too money, too much money, someone else will do it for cheaper. And yeah. there are 4,000 graduates coming out of, out of performing arts schools every year. And out of them, maybe, you know, a handful will book gigs. Um, and the rest are on are waiting for that next big break. And so yeah. if you can't do your job, Someone else will. Yeah. So what do you think it will take for people to, and the industry to really take it seriously? Or have they started to? I think they've started to because um, you can't unsee what you've seen. And there's, there's a lot of drug and alcohol abuse. Gotcha. There are a lot of suicides. There are a lot of people with depression. There are a lot of people with anxiety. And we finally have a piece of research that shows those stats. We've never had that before in Australia. Yeah, and wow. so now finally people are listening. It doesn't matter whether it's been happening or not. There was, it was never yeah. on a piece of paper, almost like, you know, that's, that's Bible now because it's on a piece of paper, but we all know it. Yeah. Um, but finally there's pieces of paper that say so. Yeah. And so now you can't unsee what you've seen. And so, um, you know, you either step up to the plate and, and start creating support services and, and, and education, um, or, or, or you turn a blind eye. Um, so we're kind of getting to a place where it's becoming about a duty of care. And, and I think that unfortunately is, is a big driving factor. Yeah. We can, you can, if you, (laughs) if you share that report with me, we can share it with our millions and millions of listeners. So great. What is it that you want? I guess there's three audiences. What is it that you want? So for me, the three audiences are the public, the artists, and then the, I'm going to call them management-y type people. What do you call them? Do they have a name? 
so yeah, like, like creative management or yeah. so the creative like directors, team. Yeah. yeah, directors, producers, choreographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So team. then what is it that you want? Let's start with the artists themselves. What do you want them to know? If you could talk to all artists and say, hey, this is really important. This is what I want you to take care of. This is what I want you to know. If you were speaking to all artistic people. If I was speaking to all artistic people, the first thing I would say is that this is really a shared story. What you're going through, um, the challenge that you're going through is a shared story. Um, You are not alone. And what it may require is the art of asking. And the art of asking is really difficult and it can be really confronting, but it's the stepping stone to well-being. And without the art of asking, then you feel like you are dealing with this alone. Yeah. And um, asking and so, like employee assist, asking other artists who are asking, asking the support services that are available. Yeah. Um, asking, you know, um, a friend if, if yeah. they're okay or not, yeah. um, you know, asking within the resources that you have access to, um, you know, what kind of help is out there. Um, it's the art of asking for, for, um, support and for reinforcement. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it, this is a tough industry and we know that, um, and the odds are stacked against you and there is a lot of rejection and failure that you will go through and how can that not have an impact on a person? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's having that compassion for yourself to go, you, cause you guys have such high expectations of yourself that, yeah, like you said, it's not, it's, it's understanding that you're not always going to win. You're not always, and having that compassion for yourself that yeah. you are human. So yeah. what is it that you would want to tell the, the hierarchy <laughs> how long you got <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> let me let me state it as diplomatically as this ah uh, diplomatic you i come i can't say you can't it would be helpful to become aware that if you are working with creative people that creative people have a certain amount of vulnerability yeah. And so therefore it is a duty of care. Yeah. It's a duty of care yeah. that you provide your workers and that you provide your dance students and that you provide anyone within any performing arts or creative arts capacity, the tools and resources, or at least the information to or access to the support that they need to navigate a challenging industry and an industry that packs impacts on you creatively and personally. Yeah. And learning, I think as well, how to listen to those vulnerabilities, how to be okay with those vulnerabilities, how to be a human and not feel like people are commodities. Yeah. So to really take that step back and listen to and be open to what it is that people need and valuing a happy, I mean, you said workers. I, I don't know that I've ever used in my head. I've never considered artists as workers, but <laughs> like, not that you don't do work, but that's just not the, I still think of like yeah. artists and, but, yeah. but if, it's if, a job. if it's yeah. a job. but if you're thinking in that space of, well, these are just employees. You know, well, no, they're humans, they're artists, they're vulnerable, they're, they're wonderful, they're passionate. Listen to them and embrace them. And you will always, to me, you will always get a happier, better outcome that is more likely more profitable yep. if you're not burning out your staff, if you're not yep. burning out your artists. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah, abs- like that's right. Hit the nail right on the head there. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's team effort and it's about being a tribe and it's about being there for each other. And it's, it's um, not about seeing people as commodities and, and, um, and, and running the ship like any other organization would, like any other working organization would. 
yeah. with the kinds of support services that and, and education and resources that are available for their people. Yeah. Because to me, you guys would sound more like, I mean, I would hope you would sound more like a non-profit or a social enterprise than you would like a for-profit, which is you want to do well. You want to make money. That's cool. Everybody yeah. wants to make money. But you want to do good. And so it's having that mission of creating um, creating art, creating emotion, creating impact, creating whatever it is that you're creating. It might be a mural or it might be a piece of musical theatre. But also yeah. being good at the same time. Like you need to have those three. And if everybody's working towards those three, not at the expense. So you've got to do well do good and be good. Yeah. And so if you're all working towards the same mission, which is yep. um, in the service of the art or in the service of this piece of art um, and the impact that you want that to have on the public, because you are operating in that space, then it would make sense to sort of look at the nonprofit social enterprise model of do yep. well, do good, be good. Yeah. As opposed to do well and everyone else can get bent. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's, it's a unique industry in that, um, we're kind of, we're not, we're not handled or we're not managed like others. Um, you know, we're kind of seen as we're really all subcontractors. Yeah. Okay. Every, every, every dancer, every actor, every singer, every musician is a subcontractor. Um, do you mean that literally where you guys are literally invoicing or for well, um, when you freelance, you are. Yeah. yeah um, and, but then when you're in a a when you're working for an organisation, um, you know, like we don't have HR, we don't have yeah gotcha. programs, or at least that not that we're aware of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, like those sorts of structures, you know, like those models don't apply to us because we're basically all subcontractors that come yeah. together for 12 months for yeah, one because you're transient in that sort of yeah and then we all go away and you know go off and do our own thing so it's yeah. it's that infrastructure hasn't been built yeah. because we're kind of unique in that way and so well that's sort of similar to what my understanding of the construction industry as well like the boys absolutely. will come together for a like a bunch of subbies will come together build a house and then they'll disappear yep. so yep. people like trademark mates in construction um those sorts of guys they're start they're coming onto site and going all yep. right let's make sure that these boxes are checked let's make sure that you got let's teach you how to have good conversations because we know that you're going to take those skills and go into other jobs yep so yes. and i guess that's sort of say that. i was just going to say we're we're probably no different to electricians and plumbers yep. and <laughs> yeah you know it's, um it, it really is that kind of an industry yeah well because also as a as a freelance you also have your own books to keep you've also got mm -hmm. to pay your own tax you've also mm -hmm. got to deal with your own super your own insurance your own mm -hmm. and that's another level of complexity and stress mm -hmm. that um you don't have when you've got sort of a, a muggle job maybe yep yeah like, and that again, that's, that's hard to go. Okay. Well, cause that adds extra pressure as well. So did I get that role or not? That's not for my ego. That's the difference between, do I get to pay the mortgage wow. this month? Mm -hmm. Do I have my wife and kids on my back or do we get yep. to relax a bit? Yeah. A lot of it is about survival. If you don't book that gig and if you, if you don't book that long gig, yeah. then your chances of survival decrease. Yeah, absolutely. So then what do you, so then for the artists themselves, it's about being brave and yeah. acknowledging your humanity and asking for help and realizing you are absolutely not alone in any of this. And that, yeah, everybody struggles with something, whether it's depression, yep. anxiety, fear, um, just everybody. Yep. For the administration, it's, start to listen and yeah. understand that people are people and yeah. that you will get much, much better outcomes from happy people, happy, yeah. relaxed, mentally healthy people. You will get much better outcomes than you will from exhausted wrecks. Yeah. And that's and your start connecting people to, um, and start connect, 
connecting people to services too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because that's money well spent as well. Yeah. So what do you guys and girls and everybody want the public to know? So as a supporter of the arts, I'm, I go to all sorts of stuff. My friend, Katie Fletcher, who was on the empathy and engineering talk, um, I go watch her do stuff. We go to all sorts yeah. of things, whether it's amateur theater or profession, whatever. My favorite's still kinky boots, but that's just me. Um, what is it that you want the public who have no concept of this whatsoever? What do you want us to know and how can we better support the arts community and the arts in itself so that you guys feel like we're on board with you and we're not just expecting performing monkeys? Um, empathy. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It, it, it's when we come off stage, when we're not doing our thing. Yep. Yeah. We are just like everybody else. Yep. The same issues as everybody else, the same stresses as everybody else, the same financial commitments and, 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 um, responsibilities and complexities as everybody else. Um, and so, um, some compassion around that is helpful because um, we don't live in that glory all the time. We don't yeah. operate or we don't vibrate at that level all the time. That would be we exhausting. Are, we are human too. Yeah. Um, and there are good days and there are bad days. Yeah. Um, a perfect example is, so there's, there's this um, Cynthia Oriva, her name is, and she played the lead role in The Colour Purple on okay. Broadway. And she also won the Tony Award for it. Um, and there was, you know, I think it was through Twitter posts or, or, or social media or whatever. She faced so much backlash for not coming out of stage door and interacting with her fans. And she posted one day that she tries to do that as much as she possibly can. But that role is a, a, a really, really emotionally taxing role. Um, and so there are days where she can't yeah. and there are days where she needs to just finish the show and for the purpose of her self care, just go home, go yeah. straight in the car and go home. Yeah. Um, or when she's sick and, and she's minding her voice because her responsibility on Broadway is to do eight shows a week and everyone's paying to see her. And so yeah. after a, a two and a half hour show, she doesn't have the voice to come out and interact with her fans. Yeah. So she needs to go home and she was pleading for people to understand that yeah. um, so because people were saying, you know, oh, she's being selfish and, you know, I lined up for two hours and how oh. dare she not come out and say hello. And, oh. you know, like what kind of a person is that? And that's so arrogant oh. and that's just ego. And, and she was like, you know what guys, I'm human too. And sometimes, you know, I have my breaking point and I need to self care. Well, Pink did that as well. Like, yeah. so do you think then, because I mean, do you think there is a responsibility then on the artists themselves mm-hmm. to potentially break that stigma as well and be more open? Like Pink was very, very open. She said, you know what? I've got a family. I've got a cold. I cannot sing. I've had gastro. Just I'm a human too. So mm-hmm. I think, some of the lack of empathy comes from that sort almost social media of you guys have got your shit together. You're everybody's rich in the arts. Yeah. You've ah. what I mean, like life is perfect. Yeah. Um, so there are people starting to break that like yeah. pink and Jamila Jamil and um, people in that space going, no, no, no. Like we've got our ups and downs. Do you think there's a responsibility there as well? Or is that yes. fraught with danger? Like, I don't, I don't know. No, I think there's a responsibility in that. And, and I, I, traveled to the U, I traveled to the UK three times this year. And what I noticed that in the UK is that people in really sort of prominent positions, um, like theatre industry people in prominent positions, were not scared to talk about their mental health issues and were not scared to talk about their mental health challenges. Um, and, and that's great because it gives everyone a voice. And I don't know that we do enough of that here. Um, I, I think there it's really scary. It's really scary. There's a lot of backlash. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we are a culture that um, 
would embrace that with open arms. I think there's a lot not of yet. judgment. Not yet, not yet. I think there's a lot of judgment around weakness and around vulnerability and around... Um, but also um, that correlation, that thinking that mental illness is a weakness. Like, true. I don't think it is. It's a struggle. It yep. sucks. It's something you manage. It's something you manage, but that doesn't mean yep. that I'm a weak person if I'm struggling yep. with my mental health. Yeah. Like, yeah, but we still have that that notion that, and there are people, and I think it's also people's responsibility to curate their social media to yep. go, no, I'm going to follow people who are leading that life, who are setting that example, yep. who are saying that they're human, who are uplifting, who are... Um, human and vulnerable and they're the people that i'm gonna watch yeah you know what i mean because you're like even your social media is beautiful you have your son what is it sunday like self-care sunday self-care sundays that's it <laughs> um and i love them because honestly as much as i say i'm not creative i feel like i have that sort of similar experience of I'm up on stage giving talks. I have yeah. to be my best self. I get, yeah. I get um, rejected. I have to work yeah. on this. I, if yeah. I've got a croaky voice, I still have, I don't have an understudy. If someone's paying me to give a talk, I still have, I still have to front up and give a talk with a croaky voice. Um, so yeah, it's that, that fear of rejection that yeah, I have you, to be you are on. Exposed to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, one, one of the memories that I have from your presentation, yep. um, apart from how outstanding it was and, and just what an, a great project initiative, um, you know, concept this is and, and so unique and so needed, um, was I remember sitting there in your presentation um, at the workplace mental health conference and I remember some, a, a woman said to you, um, I think you asked the audience a question, and a woman said to you, um, oh, sorry, I was distracted by the fact that you wrote program wrong in your presentation slide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I spelled it with a double M-E, which, yeah. And, and, I, and I just went, and, and that is human nature. Yeah. For some people, that's, you know, like they gravitated to that. And I was like, you're missing the entire presentation and, and this, the beauty of all of this, because you're fixated on, on um, a little, a, a human error there. Yeah. And well, honestly, also what her interpretation of a human error was, because. There you go. There you go. And so and I just, that stood out for me because I, I just thought, wow, what people will yeah. gravitate to. Oh, absolutely. And especially like you think you go to a concert and if they miss a note, they've given you three hours of music. And if they miss yep. a note, yep. that is all you remember. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't sit there like wide eyed going, holy moly. Yep. Cause I love live music and I come away from it going, whoa, what must that take? You know what I mean? And yep. for you to make, that's the other thing for you to make me feel like, cause guaranteed every concert I've ever been to yeah. Brisbane was the best city ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for you to genuinely yeah. make an entire crowd of people feel like that was the best concert ever for you. Oh, yeah. that's a special breed of people. And I just want to, I just want to hug. I <laughs> hug you after your talk. I just want to hug people. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Wow. So I think there's a responsibility there for the public to really start to see these people who I hate the phrase of these people, but people who we see as larger than life and yeah. they've got their shit together and I aspire yeah. to be them. And I'll, I'd probably, I don't know who I'd fangirl over these days, but I'd probably <laughs> like squeal if I saw them, you know, like that sort of. And so anything I say will bounce off them. And you're like, that's not true. These are humans no. with feelings. Yeah. And the more we can embrace the art, embrace the artist, person um, yeah yeah embrace the person embrace the human and yep. at the same time for the artist to go no 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 i'm brave and i'm standing up going like jamila jamil goes hey look i got stretch marks on my boobs like i don't care um yep. like i have good days i have bad days 
Like she's, I'd hug her too. Um, <laughs> but it's all that vulnerability. Like people, yeah. and I think we forget, and I think also artists forget that mm-hmm. we don't connect with perfection. Yeah. We connect with vulnerability. Yeah. And so allowing yourself to not be perfect. Yep. Is on both is the responsibility of I think the artist as well to go. You yeah. know what? Yeah. It is like you said. It is what it is. I can't yep. be everything to everybody. I can't be perfect all the time. And then allowing us, the public, to connect with that vulnerability as well. Yeah, it's that 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 ownership of um, I am me. That's who I am, um, and that's more than enough. Absolutely. And we love, like, we love you guys for that. We love that you're putting yourself out there. We love that you found a passion. We love that you're good at stuff that we could only dream of being good at. Um, and it, it actually breaks my heart that the people, that it's hurting them to entertain me. I'm yeah. like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, I didn't ask you to do that. I want you to be happy. Be happy first and then, and then entertain me. Like, I don't want you to run yourself into the ground for my entertainment. Like to me, that seems perverse. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's also a mind shift in the public of going, no, no, no. I want you to be happy. And then I'm happier. Then you bring your best self to me. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to pay for that. I don't want to pay yeah. for someone to be exploited. That makes me sad. Yeah. Um, I never said I wanted that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Anyway. It's, um, it's a it's a world in where in which people connect with people. Absolutely, and yeah. the yeah, and the excitement and the joy and yeah, my favorite thing in the world is talking to people and watching their eyes light up. Like you get that in the social enterprise world. Somebody goes, "What am I going to do with the world? How am I going to change the world?" Their eyes light up. Like same with the arts. You go, "What do you do?" I do this. I play the plant in the Rocky and the Little Shop of Horrors. Like, love it. You know, all right. I play the rhinoceros's ass. I love it. Um, I love that shit. That that makes me so happy. Um, anywho, you're an absolute de- delight, Will Centurion. How can people find you on Instagram and everywhere? Because now everybody's going to follow you. Uh, so uh, my um, social media handle is. Um, at Mr. Will Centurion official. Um, uh, I do also have a, uh, there's a YouTube channel um, oh, cool. and Instagram. Cool. Um, well, you'll send me all the links and I'll share them with the people. I will do. I will do. My, my email is Mr. Will Centurion at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I, I thank you so much for this opportunity. That's um, privilege. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and, you know, we, we kind of, we're both working towards the same thing and, and, Absolutely. and this casts a wide, as wide a net as possible. Perfect. Love it. Thank you so much. You're a champion. You're totally welcome. Thank Keep you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Oh my God. How good was that? Oh, wow. I enjoyed that conversation so very much. And I think there's something there for us all to take away. Um, Because we all love the arts. We all love our movies and our music and our theatre. So if we can contribute to improving the mental health, health of those artists who bring their heart and soul to entertaining us, Um, that can only be a good thing. Thank you so much to Will Centurion for being on my podcast today, listening at the Orange Door. My name is Leanne Butterworth, and this, I'm from Lose Your Mind. You can find me at loseyourmind.com.au or at loseyourmindvr. And um, yeah, that was listening at the Orange Door. Tune in next time. I don't know who we're talking to next time, but I'm going to find somebody to talk to about empathy in industry. Um, enjoy your day. Have a great weekend. All right. Bye.